Welcome to Fueling the Revenue Engine. My name is Roz Greenfield, co-founder and chief enablement officer at Level 213. This podcast was created as a response to requests that we've gotten from the enablement community looking for resources to support them as they navigate this evolving landscape of enablement. As we look to the future of our profession, we believe that this is a great time to connect with other enablement leaders for discussions that take a closer look at relevant enablement topics. It's our hope that this podcast provides insight, guidance, and support to the go-to-market enablement and sales leadership community during both prosperous and challenging times alike. We're coming to you from San Francisco, California, where we are in the middle of figuring out what the impact of the coronavirus will be now and in the long term. For the immediate future, we are still under a shelter-in-place order here, which means that we're using conferencing technology instead of studio sessions to put this podcast together. As such, please excuse any fluctuations in our audio. Studies have shown that a close relationship between sales and marketing teams can really lead to a significant improvement in revenues for a company. And sales enablement really bridges that gap between sales and marketing with a very critical, important partnership being between sales enablement and product marketing, also known as PMMs. A strong partnership between enablement and PMM can close the feedback loop between the two departments, inform relevant messaging and content development, improve visibility into content usage, and really unify the goals of both teams. And sometimes the team's goals can seem like they contradict, but really if, if the teams are working together, then they're all moving towards the benefit of the company. And as a result, each team ends up being much more productive as they focus on what they do best. So today, I'm really thrilled to have our guest, Robin Pam, who's the Senior Director of Product Marketing at Optimizely. I was really fortunate to partner really closely with Robin when we worked together at Optimizely. And to this day, and I tell this to my clients all the time, I hold up that working partnership that I had with Robin as one of the greatest examples of a PMM enablement relationship. I don't even know if you know that, Robin, but it's the truth. Uh, it was such a, um, a privilege and almost I got a little spoiled working that closely with her. So what we're going to discuss today is the importance of the benefits of that strong sales enablement partnership and really try to look at it from both the sales enablement angle and the PMM angle. So we'll be discussing the benefits of a strong partnership and the importance of having that strong partnership between sales, sales enablement, and product marketing. So welcome, Robin. Thank you for joining us. How you've been holding up in our current reality, I guess. Well, thanks thanks so much for having me, Roz, and you're really too kind uh, saying all of that. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm holding up okay. Um, I actually just had my second baby, and I'm still on leave, so feel fortunate to have a little bit of time uh, with the children. But I'm also getting excited to go back and get back into work pretty soon. Um, but yes, definitely a, a strange time to. And having a baby time, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're officially on maternity leave, so thank you yes. for doing this anyway. Yeah. So, so let's start the conversation with what is PMM or product marketing and what does it really offer a go-to-market organization? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And uh, I will start by saying that product marketing can be many things in many organizations. Um, and I think in, uh, in B2B SaaS and enterprise software, you know, what I've seen is that most people think of product marketers as the people that make pretty decks. Hmm. <laughs> but, but we do so much more than that. Um, so we sit at the intersection of 
product and the product and engineering organization and the go-to-market organization. And I think when product marketing is done best, we're really playing a quarterback role. Mm. So we are helping everyone on the go-to-market team, whether that's marketing, sales, customer success, move in the same direction together, whether it's on launches, on messaging, on introducing new products or reintroducing new products to the market, um, repositioning the company, rolling out new branding. We kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, we focus on messaging and positioning, sales enablement. Um, we work really closely often with customers in that process, gathering customer feedback on what's working and not working and bringing that back into the company um, and helping with marketing campaigns. So I, I really look at product marketing as a function that can offer a lot of help to everyone in the company. It's a good helper yeah. function, but also a good, um, we, we really drive a lot of marketing strategy and campaigns and help to get the message of the company out into the market. Yeah, allow the company to go to market in, yeah. in, in general. And I think something clicked uh, when you said you're kind of like the bridge between product engineering and sales. And what, what went to my head is it's, it's really interesting. And I think that's so true. Um, and then sales enablement kind of becomes the bridge between that to the actual sales and success organization. So both teams or both functions are bridge functions that kind of come together to, to kind of get you, get the company to be able to moving to, if we stay with the bridge analogy, you know, to where they need to go from a, from a highway perspective. So that's a really interesting thing. And it's, and it's, and, and the thought that goes through my head too is sales doesn't usually talk product, product doesn't usually talk sales. So you need that in between group of product marketing that can talk both, right? And then sales enablement can help them talk both. And then also it's like, how are we taking what product builds and actually taking it to the customer so that you can sell it, so that you can service it, so that you can support it and so that the customer can actually use it. So it's a very critical function um, for an organization and a lot more yeah. than just pretty decks. I, I, when you said <laughs> that, I was thinking that's because we don't know how to make pretty decks and you do. <laughs> and so it's the one thing that we know that you do that, um, that we know is important. Um, and and, you know, we're being in sales enablement, sometimes I see the decks that people make and I'm like, oh, product marketing, oh, well, this. <laughs> I would not be happy. So, um, you can talk about content later if you want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I started this ex episode explaining why I thought the enablement and PMM partnership was critical, but I'm also interested to hear from your perspective. You've been in PM, uh, PMM for a very long time or in leadership of PMM at this point. So why do you think there's a, uh, it's important to have a strong partnership between the product marketing team and the enablement? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And the thing that comes to mind for me is that ultimately what we're all trying to do on a go-to-market team is drive outcomes. We're trying to get more customers to buy our product, get more customers to stick around and renew their contracts and ultimately succeed in using the product. So as a marketing team, we're always looking at how do we drive pipeline? How do we drive the entire funnel? So lead pipeline um, or leads opportunities pipeline, and then ultimately retention and expansion. Um, and I think the partnership between product marketing and enablement is really crucial to ensuring that everybody on the go-to-market team supports the piece of that that is their piece most effectively. Yeah. Um, so that's where a lot of the efficiency comes from. It comes from product marketing and enablement working together to identify, you know, how are we going to get salespeople to open the right opportunities mm -hmm. and focus on the customers that are most likely to buy. Um, 
one of the things that I think really good product marketers are really good at is using data to understand where are the gaps in the go-to-market motion at the current moment in time, mm -hmm. uh, what's working and not working. And, you know, we can bring that data to the table. And then I think what enablement is so good at is helping to say, okay, this is the gap. Let's come up with a solution for how we can get the sales team to actually focus in the right places. How do we change the behavior of the reps, of the individual reps to actually, you know, move that metric and yeah. change that outcome. Um, and I think for me, when I think about that partnership between product marketing and enablement, I think what we can do as product marketers is really bring that data, bring that messaging, and then enablement can bring that expertise in behavior change, in learning, in getting inside the psychology of the sales team and the success yeah. team and really helping us um, working together to change that behavior on the ground so that we can ultimately move those metrics. Yeah, I think that's so important because one of the things that sales enablement people really struggle with is how do we look at the data and measure the, the impact of some of the programs that we're doing. And so if you have that partnership with product marketing and you're able to start with where are the holes, whether it be in the pipeline in general on a specific product selling or, or going up against a, a specific competitor or being head on against a specific competitor and being able to say, okay, this is the programs or the priorities that we should focus on. And then is it working? Is it not working? How do we adjust it? But having that partnership to be able to do that and then be able to then articulate back the value that both teams are driving for, for a company. So I think that's really, really key. And I think that if people who are in sales enablement can look at their product marketing partners that way and work with their product marketing partners that way. And then what, what, what enablement has to do is put on the sales head and say, okay, if we are struggling against, you know, competitor X, how do we take what product marketing understands about that competitor and make it so that it can come out of the words of, of the salesperson, right? But also using the guidelines of product marketing of what to say and what not to say, because I think especially with competitors, that can be that can be very tricky. So it's such a such a such a key partnership and and specifically around the data piece for sales enablement. And then going back to go-to-market leadership, right? To revenue to the revenue leadership to be able to, to see that partnership. So really, really great points. Yeah, I mean, I think it's so it's so easy to say, you know, we worked together a couple of years ago, Roz, when Optimizely rolled out a new product called Fullstack, and we yeah. had to enable our sales team to um, to talk to new audiences about a yeah. totally new product that they hadn't experienced before. We were moving from marketing technology into a product that helped product and engineering teams. Um, and we worked together on a certification that I think was enormously successful. Yeah, yeah. But it would have been really easy to just roll out a certification and say, you know, how many people got certified yeah. and check that box. Um, but I think what, where the real proof was that it was a successful certification wasn't just that people were able to complete it and check a box of, Hey, I'm certified. It was actually that we, and we started to see them creating more opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then and I remember the, the, um, the average dollar value went up. Yeah, right. significantly, exactly. right? You know, they, they were creating the opportunities and they were having the confidence to exactly. present. And to your point, it was a completely different persona, right? We were selling to developers who don't, who aren't, you know, talking and thinking like marketers. And that's something that companies really struggle with is switching personas. And I think it was being able to work together. Yeah. Getting, um, getting the teams to really be successful. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a really great example. And I think we have examples when we didn't do it as well also. So I think, how do you create a good relationship between the two functions? And a lot of times in companies, not necessarily between enablement and product marketing, but sales and marketing tend to think, 
see things differently. And there's a lot, very often attention. And again, we know that this is really important for the two functions to have a strong partnership. So, so how does someone do that if they don't have the luxury of working with you every day? <laughs> well, I think, um, you know, the things I think about as a product marketer and how am I going to create a strong relationship with sales? I think the first thing is, again, going back to focusing on what are you trying to achieve together? Mm. Um, how do you align your teams around the same set of metrics mm. uh, and the same set of outcomes? So I think in, in SaaS, the, the most important thing is pipeline and then close business. Yeah. Um, so as a product marketer, I'm always thinking about how are we, like, what are we doing on the marketing side to create good, good leads coming in at the top of the funnel. And then in particular, working with sales, what are we doing to enable the sales team to turn those leads into pipeline and yeah. into good pipeline that is ultimately going to close. And I think when, when you can align sales and marketing around those metrics and see it as a partnership that you're working on those things together, um, and that everyone knows exactly what's happening there and what's contributing. Um, I think that's where the most success happens. And that's, that's all very theoretical. Yeah. There's also a lot of, um, I think there's some art to it as well. Um, and the art is in creating good relationships. Yeah. And if you're a sales enablement person, you should probably be having a weekly or biweekly meeting with the head of product marketing at your company. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or your product marketing counterpart on whatever it is that you're working on. Important for product marketing to hear the feedback that's coming from the sales team. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the most valuable things that sales enablement provides is that that lens on, you know, we hear so many things every day. I get emails every day and slacks every day from salespeople saying like, I need this piece of content. I'm facing this new competitor help me do this thing. Like, can you, can you give me some like teardown of this new feature that we released and without sales enablement, helping to gather all that feedback, um, you know, synthesize what's going on. Like what is the pulse of the sales team? It's yeah. really hard for us in product marketing to prioritize what's going to be the most impactful place that we can spend our time to actually influence. Yeah. Close business. Yeah, what resonates for me with what you're saying is sales enablement tends to be a very safe function for the sales and success team because we're there to help them and yet we're not there to reprimand them in any other way, right? Um, and so there's there's a lot of trust and safety, and especially when if a sales enablement team is good and they and, and it is helping them just get better because our only function is to help them be more productive. And so they tend to tell us things that they won't tell anybody else. And I think that becomes our obligation to then take it back to product marketing, to take it back to to product, through product marketing or to, or to leadership. And so really being those eyes and ears and closing that feedback loop is incredibly important. And I'm thinking about like even the current situation that the world is in today, where a lot of companies, I think, um, the partnership between sales enablement and product marketing became so important because a lot of companies had to pivot their messaging overnight, like literally overnight. And it came from feedback of the team saying, "Our what we're say what we said last month or two months ago, is not resonating with buyers anymore." Or we're talking to different personas. I'm seeing uh, in working with clients, you know, executives are getting on calls a lot earlier. Financial financial people are getting on calls that they never would have normally gone on. And so, how do we message that? How do we say that? And so, being able to work together 
between the two teams and say, you know what, you're not selling to the developer anymore, you're selling to the CFO. Well, that's a different conversation. And what does the deck look like? And, and, and so on. So I think that that, that partnership is, has always been so important, but it's even more important. And, mm-hmm. uh, and by, by really kind of, like you said, meeting regularly, talking to each other and, and shared OKRs or whatever you use in your company, I think is um, a good way to do it. So like, everybody owns it together. And I think the example of like the full stack certification that you mentioned, I think it was a shared OKR between, right. And so we both had skin in the game. Yeah. So, and and I think we we probably had some SEs that had some skin in the game as well, which helped. So, um, so I think we, you know, we talked about like, how do you um, create a good relationship? And I think a little bit, you met, you you know, you cover like what PMM needs from enablement. And, And I think you actually even covered what PMM could give enablement. So one of the things that I really, want to kind of talk about is a lot of times I think you know I mentioned earlier that that PMMs that there's sometimes there's a tension between sales enablement and 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 marketing and PMMs I remember I was once talking to this PMM and he said to me I don't like salespeople and I'm like you shouldn't be a PMM right (laughs) should not be and I understood what he was saying salespeople could come across as very needy or urgent and uh, needing everything yesterday and and, you know, salespeople can also, you know, when they're doing well, everything, they did everything right. When they're not doing well, it's everybody else's fault. And I, I speak as a salesperson. I've been a salesperson for a very long time. Um, but I think a lot of it also comes from a lot people outside of the sales uh, role have never carried a quota. And there's a tremendous pressure when you carry a quota. And then if you add on, a, you know, a bad economic times like we have today, it's really, really difficult. And I think to have that good relationship and to have that trust between the sales team and even sales enablement, you have to have the PMs really understand that, but yet they never did. In many cases, they never did carry a quota. So, and I know, for example, you never carried a quota, but I know you have a tremendous credibility with enablement and salespeople. So, how did you gain that empathy and um, be able to really put on the hat of the reality of a sales or a quota carrying person, having never been a quota carrying person? Yeah, no, it's a great point. I I have not been a rep myself. I have not carried a quota. Um, unless you count the time I was a sales assistant for condos right when I was out of college. Actually, even then I wasn't really carrying a quota. I was just uh, helping, helping the real estate agents, but uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a really important point. And I think that the biggest thing that uh, the things that have been helpful to me in developing empathy um, I think the the first thing is just having a lot of humility about that mm. and understanding that, yes, no, I have not carried a quota, but I can bring other things to the table instead. And I think the, the thing that I think goes hand in hand with empathy is actually credibility uh-huh. that, um, you know, we have to have empathy for, yes, you're carrying a quota. It is hard to close deals. You need your materials quickly. You need them yesterday. You need them in the right shape. Um, and, you know, we're often here to help and serve in that way. Um, I think a lot of roles like ours do is support the sales team and make sure that they have what they need. Um, so understanding that that's our role is really important. Um, but I think I, I think credibility is the thing that is really, really important too with the sales team. Um, and we, you know, we talked about this product optimizely introduced um, that was a developer product. Um, I, I'm not a developer. I had not sold a developer product in the past. 
But the thing that helped me really gain credibility and work with the sales team on it was spending a lot of time with customers. Yeah. And I think as a product marketer, that is the thing that we, that is probably the single most important thing we can do to gain credibility with and empathy for the sales team is to actually go talk to customers, understand a broad range of customer perspectives. Um, and again, come with data Yeah, and come with that, those real stories um, from customers and quotes and anecdotes and be able to show that you really are a product and a customer expert. Yeah. Um, and when you can do that, I think everything becomes a lot easier in terms of um, getting in front of the sales team because, of, uh, you know, what happens is that you are the expert in how customers see this product and what we need to do to bring it to market. So it's spending time with the customers. It's shadowing calls. You know, I've done things in the past. Um, I do this a lot with our SDRs. Um, I offer to be their product expert on, uh, on their first call or their yeah. second call. So they've had a little email exchange with the director of engineering. Um, they know there's going to be some questions on that call that might be a little out of their depth. Um, I tell them it's totally fine. If I'm available, I will hop on their call and be their product specialist yeah. and answer questions on that call. And, you know, it helps them because they get to show that they're bringing some value to the customer yep. and I get information about what it's like to be on these calls and what kinds of questions people are asking and what language they're using to describe their problems. Yep. So I think, um, you know, spending time with reps, shadowing those calls. The other thing I really like to do is um, choose a couple of deals to get close to. So I usually have, as a product marketer, I usually have two or three reps that I'm a little closer to than others. Um, and, you know, I love going to meetings, uh, to pitch meetings. Yeah. In person. And when that was a thing, I would <laughs> remember you know, that hop on a plane and <laughs> go to Seattle to talk to a team for a day. Um, not a thing anymore, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> when it was a thing now, yeah. I guess it's easier to do that though. As a product marketer, it, it should be easier to get involved yeah. in those deals because you don't have to actually get on a plane anymore. Yeah. Um, but I think that the best thing you can do as a, as a product marketer is to, to show up yeah. and to be interested and to help as much as you can. So in those meetings, like I really can go into a meeting with a rep and offer a lot of value because I do know a lot about the product. And, um, because I've talked to lots of other customers, I can add that knowledge in, in the meeting. So yeah. it helps them, it helps me. And then. I have a few reps who can advocate for me. Yeah. Too. And I think what, what, what you said is so important because it, you know, the fact that you're on the call and you hear the reality of the call, I think sometimes a disconnect happens from marketing doesn't always get so close to a customer and therefore they don't really know the reality of where does the customer object? Where are they pushed back? Where are they given a hard time? And therefore the messaging doesn't reflect that or the decks don't reflect that or the competitive Intel doesn't reflect that. And the fact that you are hands-on and you are on those calls, you're, you're listening to what is the buyer saying 
And then how are we then putting that into our messaging? How are we then putting that into our strategy? And I, and, I, and I remember some of these calls in particular that you were on back when we were working together and how that went back and informed the products and how that went back then and informed the stories that we told because stories sell. That's, that's at the end of the day, facts tell and stories sell. And it's so important to have those stories and to be able to, we're making a little bit of a shift here. We're pivoting this messaging here because at the end of the day, this is what the buyer is saying or, or or rejecting or, or resonating with or what have you. Um, so, but then, it, and then it shows up in the messaging and then it shows up in the, the programs and, and, and the things that we, that we're providing the sales team and they just know it to the point where then they say, can you come with us? Right. And, mm-hmm. um, and then you're, you're a part of the team. And I think that's the point here. And I think the, uh, the pandemic has made that even more important is like, it's not the product marketing team and the sales team, it's the company. And, one person's job is to come up with the messaging and the other person's job is to, is to, you know, tell them how much it costs, but, but we're in it together. And I think that that's what you do as a really good PMM and your teams do. And it makes such a big difference. I, I was talking to a sales team, right. When COVID hit and, and, and this company had to shift their messaging and, and someone of the salespeople said, isn't that product marketing's job? I'm like, it's everybody's job right now. Right. Like we were like, at the end of the day, if the company's going to survive this, we're in this together. And I think that that's the approach that you've always taken. And I think the salespeople know it and it's, you're part of the account team, right. As the product specialist or whatever. And I love how you partnered with an SDR because it's a scary thing, especially when we have a very technical product. Right. So I'd be curious what you've learned about salespeople people from this close relationship, because we are an interesting breed of humans. Yeah, I think um, I think the things that I've learned the most about salespeople from working with enablement are um, that often salespeople will just follow the path of least resistance, mm-hmm. and that as as a product marketer and an enablement team working together to help salespeople sell more products. I think the things that we've done that have been most successful have been shaping it to that, Mm. shaping it to those existing behavior patterns. You know, it's really, really hard to change behavior. Um, So anything we can do to fit into their existing behaviors or make those small nudges, I think has been, um, has been more successful. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because salespeople, the reason I think that they go to the least of path of resistance is that sales is hard and that there's a lot of rejection and there's a lot of uncertainty yeah. you're putting yourself out there. So you're going to go the easiest route because after a while, there's just so many no's that you can. When I was selling on a day-to-day basis, like I had to look at the rejection almost as I was playing a video game and I had three lives. And if I if I got one no, it was just one life. I had two lives left, right? It was like this game in my head. And if I closed a deal, like then I graduated from that board and got to the next level. You Because otherwise you just, you can make yourself crazy right and so you do take the path of least resistance and so being able to have it the the resources that you provide the salespeople to make that those paths easier and and you know give them free lives um actually helps them to be able to close deals and and yeah. the, uh, it all goes down from there but that's an interesting observation yeah i think the the corollary to that is that old habits die hard yeah uh, sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, I think, um, I think the other thing that I've learned is in addition to that is just to be patient and to like, we can push and push and push, but ultimately like we have to accept that like, there's only so much we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can put the materials out there and we can do the trainings, but at the end of the day, like, I, I think you were saying this too, that like salespeople have to also take the responsibility to learn things and try the new things and adopt the new materials. Like, I think one thing I've 
I've probably done and that I think we're going to talk about in a little bit is created too much material yeah. at various yeah. points in time, that it's really yeah. easy to overwhelm a sales team with lots Absolutely. and lots of things, Absolutely. Uh, especially when people are asking you for things all the time. But often the answer isn't a new resource. It's actually repackaging something existing or yeah. resurfacing something that's already there. Teaching them how to use it. Yeah. 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 And I think even, um, you know, in the current economy that we're, or the current market that we're in, that, that becomes even more important. And, and thinking about too, you know, the reality of the salesperson, it, it, you talked about them being overwhelmed, you know, you don't throw, roll out a new training or product deck the last week of the quarter. You just don't do it yeah. because you know what, they're not yeah. there, right? And they shouldn't be, right? They yeah. should be selling. So it's keeping those things in mind so that the work you're doing can actually resonate. So yeah, and we'll get a little bit more into that. So yeah. kind of bridging to that, the truth is that there are several components of sales enablement that fit into product marketing responsibilities. And you kind of mentioned that a little bit that you know sales enablement is a function. And so much so that I see in, in some cases, uh, enablement reports directly into product marketing at, in, in many cases, in some cases very successfully. So I'd love to double click into some of these buckets and to really talk about like how um, how they how they benefit the the go to market team. So you want to start with product training, um, and you mentioned being the bridge. Um, but what is what is product training, and how does the the PMM enablement kind of partnership work there? Yeah, um, I think product training is something where. Um, as product marketers, we always consider product training as part of a new launch. At Optimizely, we actually have a checklist of all the things that we do when we launch a new product, and enablement is a huge bucket of that, product yeah. training is a big bucket of that. And typically what we're doing is actually bringing in the right people to do that product training and to help train the team on that product. That might be an SE, it might be a product manager, um, especially with a more technical product like ours at Optimizely. But I think what- Could be a customer. It might be a customer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, um, you know, what, what this is a place where we really are playing more of that quarterbacking role, of yeah. bringing in the right people, um, putting together the right agenda with the enablement team so that we're getting the right people in front of the sales team with, um, who are all on message in various ways. So yeah. I think a good, a good product training has, um, it has a message and has a context of why we built this product, or I guess that that's usually the first thing. Why did we build yeah. this? What's the message in the market? Uh, what are some customer proof points that we have? And then how does this product actually work? What does it do? And uh, what does that mean for the customer? And I think each of those things is usually what's the competition. Um, each of those things is usually done best by different people in the organization. Yeah. Um, and I actually like to have salespeople talk about a lot of those aspects too. Um, anytime we can bring salespeople into a training, it is that much more powerful for the sales team themselves. Oh, credibility, right? That's another way to get credibility for sure. Yeah. Especially since you've been working closely with these salespeople probably through the beta or the alpha and yeah. then you can talk about their exactly. experience and learning. It goes a really long way. And I think this is a great yeah. example of that partnership between PMM and enablement because enablement is not the product expert um, yes. and they're not expected to be the product expert, but they have to gather, you know, quarterback or curate mm -hmm. with the, the product people and then the product experts who then bring in, you know, the others. And I can think of so many times when you and I, like I launched it, you took over, we bought in, you know, John or owner, whoever, like a product person <laughs> and it came back. Right. And so it was really that partnership. Like, Hey, what are the objectives that fits under, um, 
um, you know, uh, enablement and then, okay, then how do, what are the stories that we're going to tell and how are we going to get it? And so that's a perfect example of a really um, strong partnership. Um, and, and ultimately it's what you do, right? You're selling yeah. all this, right? So yeah. And the other thing I'll say about bringing salespeople into your trainings is that um, not only does it help with credibility, it also helps to engage salespeople who maybe think they know it all. They get the um, people mm -hmm. who might be detractors from the training or who might yeah. be uh, thinking, sitting yeah. there thinking like, I've heard this before. I kind of know how to sell this. I, yeah. like, I've already been in the beta. Well, what is product marketing? No, they never talk. They never. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What do they know? They don't know anything. They have for them to today. Sure. But if you bring them say. in as a helper, yeah. it really helps to engage them and put them in the role Absolutely. of keeping their peers. Yeah, that's a great point because I think that, you know, the sales, I study the psychology of salespeople a lot. And I think what the, that, and I see it more with more experienced sales reps more than anything. And part of it is because salespeople are hired because they know what they're doing and they know how to sell. And if they, it's, it's, it could be um, scary to admit you don't know something, right? And so if you can take that and say, it's, a, we recognize what you know, let's, let's highlight what you know, and then it becomes okay for them to not know something else, right? And so, so using that, and also it gives credibility to the rest of the sales team because very often the yeah. more experienced salespeople is who everybody aspires to be. And if like, exactly. oh, if that person is bought in, then I'm going to be bought in too. And, and you know, I'm going to say yeah. the same thing to sales leadership. The sales leadership needs to be in the room. They need, yes. you know, and I'm thinking back to a lot of trainings that we did, we had our SVP of sales kick it off, right? Like, yeah. This is why it's important. Like, pay attention because if it's important to leadership, it's important to everybody. Um, yeah, demo kicks it off for somebody that that shows that this is important to everybody. That is such a good point. I think the most successful trainings and the most successful um, programs that we ever implemented were endorsed from the top down. Yeah. And yeah. I think if you don't have buy-in from leadership, it's incredibly difficult to yeah. roll out new materials, roll out a new program, um, or you know, even align on the same goals. Yeah. Yeah, and it sends a message down the organization. It's important to everybody. So I think yeah. you know, it's the higher the highest you could go, and we've had our CEO at times do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Where it made sense, and so yeah, um, I think that that again, partnership is the key here. Yeah, um, competitive intel is a big one, and competitive intel yes. is really difficult because it changes. You know, it could change because you made a change. It could change because a competitor made a change. It could change Absolutely. because the market shifted. So, what talk to us a little bit about a competitive intel and, and what PMM offers there. Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, competitive intel is obviously a huge part of what we do in product marketing. Um, it's so important that actually at Optimizely about a year ago, we hired a dedicated PMM to focus on competitive intel. And he's, he's just amazing. It's been so incredible for us as a team. If you're a product marketer listening to this, I highly recommend trying to carve that role out because um, having someone good in that role is just... Um, it's so valuable to have dedicated resources and time doing that. But in terms of what, what product marketing offers from the competitive intelligence perspective, I think um, the, the thing that we do is monitor competitors, understand what's going on, where are we winning and losing, which ones are on the rise or maybe fading out. Um, and then we can help um, with positioning against them, competitive positioning. So, you know, product is the one that's going to have to go build a good product and build the right features that are going to keep us competitive um, long term. And, you know, there's only so much that messaging can do to cover up uh, weaknesses in your product. But that said, product marketing should be really good at figuring out where do we win? Where do we lose? How do you emphasize that in a conversation? Um, one of the tools I love best um, we 
got a new CEO at Optimizely a couple years ago who comes from an enterprise sales background. And one of the tools that he introduced that I love the most is um, a fork in the road in a conversation. And we have this very nice slide that doesn't actually have any competitors' names on it. Salespeople always want like a breakdown of this competitor versus Optimizely and you know, what's the feature by feature comparison. And what the you fork should in the never road, put in writing. Right. Like, ever. <laughs> someone, like, don't, ever. don't do that. Don't do but it. If, if someone wants a feature by feature comparison, like you're yeah. already in a bad place. Yeah. Um, yeah. You don't want to. You just too fast. You can't. You're also giving away your plays. Like, just don't do it. Yeah. Don't put you don't want. You don't want to get into the feature by feature thing. But yeah. what the fork in the road does really well is that it highlights the areas that we think are important for the buyer. It gives the buyer a decision-making framework of here's what's really important if you're really serious about, we sell experimentation, so experimentation. Um, and you know, if you just want to get started, if you're not really serious about it, cool, that's fine. You can go with our low-end competitors. If you're, you know, if you have a long-term vision and you are super serious about us, um, or about this practice in your business. Here's what you should care about. And here's, you know, what Optimizely is going to offer you that is going to help you get there. Yeah. So it really sets up more of a category in the buyer's mind of like, we are here, our competitors are there. Yeah. Here's how you should think about this decision. Um, and it also frees the salesperson pretty early in a deal to say, Oh, well, if you are down there, like yep. no wait. one to walk away, right? That's yeah, the like of intels, no one to walk away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like go, go to our low end competitors. That's fine. Um, we don't really care. Yeah. Um, yeah we're not here to serve that market. Point. Yeah. Like I'm, we're not going to spend our time with you if you're not serious. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and from a salesperson's perspective or from an enablement's perspective, you want the, the, the teams focusing on deals that are going to close and are, that are going to stay. And I think one of the things that yeah. we learned at Optimizely early on is we might not have always sold to the right customer, right? Yeah. And they weren't going to be long-term customers. So right. where, where are we playing? What are we really here in the market for? And it also stopped knocking the other person down. It's right. standing up on a chair and saying what you are and being better rather than saying that they're, you know, they're bad. And, and, and no, no technology is perfect ever. So yeah. it's about what are you trying to accomplish and not like tit for tat. Yeah. And when you go feature to feature too, like that can change in, you know, the, the other, how long does it take for your competitor to come up with the same feature? Right. Yeah, exactly. Weeks, you know, if anything, so, and then it's yeah. out there. So yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it's incredibly important for the salesperson it to is. be able to talk with confidence around the competitive. Intel. Yeah. I, I think confidence is a huge piece of competitive Intel too. Yeah. Um, confidence for the salespeople um, and confidence in, it gives them confidence in our product, in our position, yeah. Yeah. but it's really important for them to know, to have the information about competitors available yeah. so that they can speak truthfully. Because if you yeah. do get specific questions, um, you know, we don't, we don't want to put any salesperson in a position where they have to lie or say something that might blow up in their face later. Yeah. Um, and I think as a salesperson, it's in, like trust is really the most important thing that you're developing with a buyer. Yeah. Um, and the buyer could pick up on your lack of confidence exactly. and start wondering, is there, is, there, is that lack of confidence in the product, right? Yeah, and exactly. So, you know, we try to provide a lot of detailed, truthful information. Um, yeah. But I think that 
the other important thing is to, to have a backstop. You know, as a salesperson, you don't have to be the expert in every competitor. You yeah. can bring in product marketing when you need backup or bring yeah. in product when you need someone to help you make those comparisons in more detail. Yeah, because competitive intel is actually interesting or, because the, or competitive differentiation because you're not only fighting the reality, but you're also finding what the competitor is saying about you, right? So you have to know that and have a position against it and set traps and, and, and overcome the FUD. That may or may not be true at all about the product, the other the competitor's product or about what the competitor is saying about your product in addition to what does a product do. So I think to your point, bring in that product or expert and selling the, the benefits of your product and, 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 the, and the solution and the service that you're offering is what's really important. Before we move into the next part of this conversation, we wanted to acknowledge that working from home comes with inherent challenges. Robin is a seasoned professional and didn't skip a beat, but as you will hear, her hungry baby needed to join us. We made the decision to continue recording because we thought that the content was important. So you will hear the most junior member of our audience in the background for a few minutes. Thank you for understanding that life unfolds in unpredictable ways. All the things that we've been talking about kind of turn into customer-facing resources or often turn into customer-facing mm -hmm. resources. And, you know, you started by saying people think PMM makes pretty decks. So talk to us a little bit about those pretty decks. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we definitely make pretty decks. So it's not all, it's not all we do, but it is part <laughs> of what we do. do. Yeah. Um, so customer-facing resources, you know, I think it's, it's really easy to fall into the trap as a product marketer that sales is asking for lots of things. So we should just go create them yeah. because when a salesperson asks you for something and says, this is going to help me close this big deal that I'm working on, it's really hard to ignore that and yeah. say, you know, actually that's probably not the right thing that's going to benefit the most amount uh, or the, the most people on the team. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one place where enablement can be really helpful and having those regular syncs with enablement can be helpful is that we can go or having a good relationship. You know, I could say, Hey Roz, someone is asking me for a teardown of this specific competitor or a deck that accomplishes this specific purpose. Is that something that is useful to yeah. the entire team? One, I think we talked about it earlier that it's really easy to overwhelm the sales mm -hmm. team mm -hmm. in a lot of these learning systems that we use or knowledge management systems, whether it's a wiki or a high spot or a guru, they just get overwhelmed with information. Yeah. There's yeah. so much in there. And, and then they so don't use anything. Yeah. That they don't end up not using anything and just using the deck you created two years ago. Cause that's yeah. something that comes up first in Google drive. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a hard problem. I don't have a great answer to organizing all the content. Um, but I think, um, you know, focusing on continuing to hone existing materials and al always looking for ways to improve what's there and remove things that might be distracting instead of your first instinct being to create new things, um, I think is, is really helpful. Um, and I think the other thing that we have done in the past pretty successfully is putting guides and um, trainings on materials themselves. So saying, yeah, exactly. How do you, when you yeah, yeah, when you do make a deck, put a slide at the beginning yeah. that says, when do you use this? Who is it for? What step in the sales cycle? 
And how do you change it out when it's a slightly different use case? Because I think that's a lot of things. the reason why that I, I see companies do overwhelm is because you know they created one thing for one vertical, and then the salesperson signs another vertical, and they 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 need guidance on how to switch maybe the image, you know, yeah. or the technology. But it doesn't mean a whole new resource and a whole new deck, and you want to try to keep it simple. So. Yeah, I think um, the other thing that's helped in the past is um, enablement can be really helpful in um, creating and distributing sales process. Yeah. Um, and when there is a really strong sales process in yeah. place that enablement has worked with leadership to create and enforce among the sales team, it makes everything so much easier for product marketing. Yeah. Um, and then how do you, where in the sales process do you use this resource? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It gives everyone, and I think you did that really well when we worked together, there was a framework for uh, the language that we use that was shared across sales and marketing. Yeah. And that, that makes everything just so much easier. You just let the, let the process do the work. And then it kind of goes back to earlier having that credibility because you're using the same language as a shared language in, in the company. Yeah. So we talked about um, thinking about supporting, we talked a lot about supporting the sales team and earlier you alluded to the fact that you think about helping um, retain an existing customer. So how do you as PMM think about enabling the post-sales teams, the customer success and support teams as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there has been this really interesting shift the past few years to both product marketing and enablement focusing more on the entire revenue team, not just on sales um, and bringing go-to-market as a whole closer together through that whole customer life cycle. As product marketing, we're always thinking, you know, a lot of the product trainings that we've done have included both sales and customer success. Yeah. And we, for the past several years at Optimizely, we've actually had a go-to-market kickoff instead of a sales kickoff. I think yes. you, you helped initiate that yeah. um, at Optimizely as well. And it's, it's been a really good shift because it's helped to bring, bring teams closer together, um, bring the account teams closer together, um, help them work together through the customer lifecycle. And as product marketing, I think a big part of it for us is thinking about how do we bring our trainings, how do we help customer success professionals um, use the materials that we're creating in similar ways, as well as help them, uh, help them introduce new opportunities into the account, add value to accounts that... Um, you know, with new products. So appreciate you doing this, especially yeah. during um, uh, your maternity leave. Um, and so I'm so grateful for this conversation. It reminds me why I really enjoyed working with you as PMM and hoping that other people can establish a similar partnerships. As you can imagine, Robin needed to drop off, but we are grateful for her time. Her experience and actionable insights have been impactful reminders to us as sales enablement professionals that we truly are the bridge between teams. As we close out today's episode, we would like to thank purpleplanet.com for our music production, and we thank you for listening. We encourage you to get in touch with us with any requests for future topics, any questions that you have, or just to say hello. We can be found at level213.com, that's L-E-V-E-L, -E and then the digits 213.com. Or you can always find us on LinkedIn as well. Have a great day.